Good morning. It is, it's good to be back in the pulpit. Um, I appreciate Josh uh, preaching for a couple of weeks while I was uh, recovering from my illness. I'm doing well. Uh, I seem to wear out easy and, and require a few more naps. I'm not sure if that's the pancreatitis or because I just turned 40. Um, but, uh, but that's where I'm at. Um, I found out from Brother Donnie that uh, he was going to, the Sunday that I was going to turn 40, um, he was going to have everybody up here dress in black and, uh, and to kind of joke with me. But when I was in the hospital that Sunday, he said that wouldn't be near as funny. Uh, and I'm thankful that there are silver linings even in pancreatitis, that I didn't have to endure that. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. We'll be looking at verses 13 and verses 14. We want to look at uh, the narrow gate this morning, the narrow gate. I'll give you a couple of seconds to, to find your way there. Verse 13 says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. For those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Verse 13 marks a turning point in the Sermon on the Mount. It's, a, uh, it's something that many of you look for every Sunday, a part of my sermon, which is the conclusion. Uh, this is actually what's happening in verse 13. Now, Jesus, like most pastors, is going to take a little time. It's going to take us a few more weeks to work through uh, Jesus' conclusion, uh, but this is where he um, is about to make a turn towards calling us to action. If you remember, and you probably don't, back when we first started the Sermon on the Mount, we talked about how this is really in many ways Jesus' inaugural address. The, uh, each gospel was written for a different reason, and, and Matthew was about the messiahship, the kingship of Jesus. And what the Sermon on the Mount is, is it's him explaining what he wants his kingdom to look like. It's what he wants his people to look like, to what he wants them to be characterized by. And so having described that, now he is calling us to action. He says, are you going to do it now? Are you going to enter into this Christian way of living So the main idea here is we are all commanded to respond to King Jesus by following Him through the narrow gates to the difficult Christian life. And so we're mainly going to be focused on the narrow gate. Now he describes both gates and we're going to look at both gates, but we want to talk about what this narrow gate of going into the Christian life teaches us about the Christian life and about how we come to Christ. The first thing is that the Christian life is something we make a personal decision to enter into. The way of destruction, it's a crowded path. It says the way is, is wide and, it, and, it, and everyone's there. And I mean, we really don't have to do anything to be on the path of destruction. We simply have to be born. We are, uh, it's, the Scripture tells us that we are all by nature children of wrath. So just simply being born puts us on that wide path towards destruction. 
But to enter into the narrow gate requires a personal decision. Jesus begins here with the command. Okay, that's where He starts. He says, enter by the narrow gate. Go into this. I've described to you what the Christian life is like, so I'm commanding you now to enter into it. To do it. And here's the life that Jesus has been describing. is the life of being spiritually poor so that you would be ultimately and totally dependent on Jesus Christ. He's called us to love our enemies, to actually do good to those who are doing evil to us. He's taught us to address the issues of the heart, to not just be a Pharisee that's just worried about my outward uh, behavior, but to go and to look into the heart and see what's happening there. He's taught us to make the central reason why we, why we do anything, why we worship, to be the glory of God and not to be seen by men. These, are things, these things are not simply truths to be, con- to be contemplated. They're not teachings that we toss around in our mind. No, it is a way of life that we are to enter into, that we are to embrace. It demands decision. It demands commitments. Nothing Jesus has taught in the Sermon on the Mount is easy or even natural. The Christian life will never be something that an individual just kind of willy-nilly wanders into. To be a Christian is to come to a point of decision that we must give our lives over to Christ. It is a gate that we must enter into alone the 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 idea of the narrow gate here brings to mind the idea of a turnstile right like you know what that is your family you've you've gone to the amusement park and you you've pulled up and you've found that parking space that's like a mile from the front gates and and everybody gathers their stuff and you run for the front gates you you maybe have your tickets you go buy your tickets and everyone's excited and you're about to run through what do you have to do you, have, you come to the turnstile, and you have to be very careful, and everyone has to go one at a time, because if you just start barreling through, you hurt yourself, right? Because it's got the little metal thing that spins around and counts everybody. If you don't give it a second to reset, you'll really hurt yourself. And that's the idea here, is that as an amusement park, that turnstile keeps people from just rushing through as a group, where they don't know who's got a ticket and who doesn't, And the same idea is that we do not enter into the faith as a group. Now we can influence each other, we can kind of get people to the gate, explain to them what the gate is and how awesome Christ is, and after we get into the gate, definitely we, we come together and we live the Christian life as a group. But when it comes to that moment where we decide to follow Christ that's not something we do as a group the Jews thought it was they thought well I'm a Jew so I'm okay with God because that's my birthright many of us many many southern Christians especially do the same thing that hey mom and dad love Jesus so I think I'm okay with him no it's something that we each individually have to enter into alone 
we see that the Christian life begins at the narrow gate. While the gate that leads to destruction is wide and, and readily accessible, the gate of entry into the Christian life is one that is narrow and it's unassuming and it needs to be searched for. What does the narrowness of that gate teach us? The narrow gate demands exclusivity. People level the criticism to Christians that y'all are just too exclusive. Just so strict about things. Like if you just let there be many ways to God, you'd get more people on board. You'd get more people into your church. If you weren't so like with sin, like sins that, man, that book tells you, you know, that sin, and, but culture, and a lot of that stuff, culture's okay with now, so, you know, you can shack up before marriage and all that stuff, and if y'all wouldn't be so strict about that stuff, then, then you'd get more people in your churches. There'd be more people that want to be Christian. Or that bloody cross gospel stuff, it's, it's just kind of gross, just don't you just make it live a good life and then Jesus will love you and let you into heaven there. Or just let people pick their own gospel. Why do you have to go with that bloody cross? And yes, we are narrow-minded, but it isn't because we're mean or bigoted or arrogant. It is because Jesus teaches us that the way is narrow. That you can't just pick and choose how you come into His kingdom. That it is a narrow gate. Jesus said, I'm the way. He didn't say there's a bunch of ways, just pick one. He said, I am the way. And Jesus told us that there's a holy way of living and there's a worldly way of living. And as a Christian, it's to be about holy living. We're told that if anyone comes to us preaching a different gospel than the work and death and resurrection of Christ, then that person should be accursed. We are narrow because Jesus was narrow. We can't possibly say we follow Jesus if we cast aside what He's taught us. We see that the narrow gate, it demands sacrifice. I remember uh, my senior year of college, me and a buddy of mine, we decided we want to go out west and see some stuff and and do some camping in the backcountry of Wyoming, Colorado, and Montana, and all that good stuff. And um, so I'll never forget, we, we drove all night, and we got to the San Andre de Cristo Mountains in Colorado. And uh, we were just, it was just a couple hours before dark, but man, we were ready to start the trip. We were ready to camp. And so we didn't really take any time to think about what we were packing. We just threw everything in the backpack, and we headed up the mountain. It ended up being a lot longer hike than we thought. To, to the camp where we were going, and, I, and, and the altitude sickness was about to kill us. I blacked out a couple of times. That's how bad it was. And we got to the top, and we, we, we were just like, I feel awful. That was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And we begin to unpack, and we're like, why did we bring this? Why did we bring this? Look at the, I mean, we, we had one of those paddles with the electric that, that shocks mosquitoes. Like, why would you take that on an eight-mile hike straight up a mountain in Colorado? We were just, why did we do this? This is ridiculous. 
And it, but it changed the rest of our trip. Every trailhead, the rest of the trip, we're like, we don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. I need like a tent and a sleeping bag, protein bar. And, and we would realize that it's all about what we're going to see. It's all about getting to the back country where we can see some amazing animals, where we can see uh, some amazing sights. And, and that requires the sacrifice of comfort. And the problem is, is that for many Christians, we just, you know, we want the destination. We don't want to give up any of our comfort. We don't want to shed away anything that we like or that we think is important. We want to stay exactly who we are and somehow get to the destination on the other side of the gate. But the narrow gate demands that we strip some things away. That we have to leave some things behind. Even things that we hold dear so that we can come through the gate to get to that awesome, amazing destination of being with Christ. Martin Lloyd-Jones breaks it down like this. He says, first, uh, we need to leave the crowd. We have to leave the way of the crowd, and we have to leave ourselves. First, leave the crowd. Uh, the verse is clear. The broad way is crowded. It says there are many on the broad way. To follow Christ is to break away from everyone else. We cannot look uh, like everyone else and do what everyone else does and be obedient to Christ. And this is becoming more so in our culture, that we will more and more and more as time goes by be the oddballs. And at the earliest ages, we, we don't want to be different, do we? We don't want to stand out. I mean, there are some oddballs out there that really like standing out, but most people just want to be a part of everybody else. I remember being born without a sense of smell. I remember in my early years, having no idea what smell was, but just pretending that when everyone else said, hey, that stinks, I would say, yeah, that stinks. And I had no idea what they were talking about because I didn't want to be different. So it's very unnatural for us to leave the crowd behind and to set out to be different. Christian life is a call to be different. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. To be a Christian is to embrace that oddball status. That, yeah, you may think I'm foolish for, for, for following what you think is a man that lived 2,000 years ago. That, that there's a myth that he... That he, that he died and rose again. Yeah, you think that's foolish, but to me, it's true. It's real. Not just to me. It is real. It is my life. It is my hope. It doesn't matter what you think about how ridiculous it is. It is the, the man, the God that I'm following. And he is the only true God. We also don't just leave the crowd, we leave the way of the crowd. Leaving the crowd is much more easy than leaving the way 
of the crowd. This was the great failure of monasticism where men thought, hey, to, to be holy, I just need to get away from everyone, need to get behind the walls of a monastery and, and, and get in practically a cell by myself. And what they realized the failure of that is that they brought the world in with them. Because that's who we are. We are people who are sinners. To enter into the narrow gate is to leave worldliness behind and to determine to set apart, be set apart in how we live. But listen, I'm not talking about when I say we have to leave worldliness. What some of you hear is, is, is what you've always heard is, you know, don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or date girls who do. That that's the standard, right? That's the standard. If I'm not that, if I follow that standard, then I'm not worldly. But I'm talking about the Christian standards that, that Jesus has spent a whole sermon unfolding. Radical self, self-forgetfulness. Radical dependence on Christ. Radical examination of the heart behind our our. Uh, the heart behind our actions. Exceptional marriages, exceptional humility, exceptional love. That's what I'm referring to when I say leave worldliness. I'm, I'm talking about what Jesus has spent the whole sermon unfolding and now He is saying, enter into that. Do that. And we leave ourselves. Going back to the very first word of the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. And also, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And then, really, every command given after is in some form or another, leaving yourself. We cannot, we cannot remain who we are and enter into the gate, the narrow gate of salvation into the Christian life. Another interesting thing that I think we need to, to, to unpack for a moment is that the gate represents the Christian life. The gate by which we enter the Christian life represents well the path that lies behind it. And what I mean is that there is no bait and switch here. The gate is unassuming. It's not easy to find. It is small. And this is consistent with the path that lies beyond the gate. It at the onset shows us that the call to be Christian is not easy. What I mean by that is Jesus, is Jesus doesn't say, hey, come into the gate. The gate looks great. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful gate. And then you get in the other side of it and you realize life's hard and, and the Christian life is not easy. No. He, he, he shows that, hey, the gate, to get through the gate's hard. It's unassuming. It has to be searched for. You have to go after it hard. And that's what lies beyond the gate, is the path of the Christian life that's not always easy. You know, it's evangelists, well-meaning evangelists who have, who have attempted to just make it so easy. Hey, you don't want to go to hell. Just pray this prayer and, and, and you're a Christian now. You don't have to worry about hell. But Jesus never approached things like that. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow 
me. Luke 14, Jesus encourages people to really think about what it means to follow him. And, 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 and he compares it to if someone's building a tower, they sit down and they figure out, do they have the money to be able to build that tower? They think through that. And he, he closes uh, that section of scripture with this in verse 33. So therefore, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. See, let's, let's make sure that we evangelize and disciple people as Jesus did. Not just, hey, you don't want to go to hell, do you? Pray this prayer. You're good. No, let us be honest with people, even at the onset, and say following Christ is not easy. To come to Christ, you must make Him Lord. You must commit your life in repentance to follow Him. It's going to cost you some things. I think the idea of the narrow gate is somewhat lost on us as American Christians. Because most of us entered into the narrow gates with everyone around us going, Yeah! To be saved is awesome. I'm so glad that you you came to Christ. This is the most amazing thing. Your your parents, your grandparents, and and I'm, I'm speaking for most of us, that's the way it was. But back in, in the early church, and in many places around the world that's not the case we have international students over at SAU that to enter into that narrow gate will cost them everything it will cost them the family back home it will cost them every their friends back home. it will cost them everything they hold dear to go through that narrow gate and and pray for Brother Mark and those who minister over there at SAU because they're dealing with people that it's, it's an ominous thing to look upon that gate and to, yes, there's, there's just amazing things beyond that gate, but to go through that gate is hard and difficult and it causes a lot of, lot of pain. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we're over there encouraging students to enter into that gate, but let us be in prayer. Because it is not an easy thing for some people to enter into that gate. They do not have the cheers of everyone around them. It's going to cost them everything they hold dear. So let us, as we share the gospel and call people to respond, give an honest representation of the Christian life. And that brings us the next point that the Christian life continues on a path that is hard. The way to, the, the way to destruction is described as easy. To live opposite of the Christian life as described in the Sermon on the Mount is just absolutely the most natural thing we can do. It is easy to be filled with pride. It, it's easy when someone hits you to hit them back. It's easy to worry about the outward appearance and not worry about the heart. It's easy because that is what our evil hearts want to do. But what lies beyond the narrow gate is a lifelong path of living the Christian life, and it is not easy. Again, the Sermon on the Mount that, uh, that Jesus is, is starting to conclude here are some of the most difficult and unnatural commands 
ever written down. And yet this is exactly what Jesus is calling us to follow him into. The way is hard that leads to life. It's sometimes hard to believe when you're on that Christian path and, and God leads that path through absolute tragedy. And, and you know the Word of God teaches that God is sovereign and so you're, you're, you're here at this moment of tragedy because of the will of God and yet somehow you have to keep holding on to Him and believing Him. That's not an easy thing to do. Though you slay me, yet I will trust you. That's not easy. Fighting sin is hard to to wake up every day and and determine that I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to fight against my flesh. That's not an easy thing to do. Every day to love people, it sometimes feels impossible to do the things that Jesus has commanded when people are evil to you, to do good back. I mean, that's crazy hard. Yet that's what Jesus is calling us to do. We must remember that the call to follow Christ is not just about getting through the gate. It is also about the hard way that lies beyond the gate. If we can say that we have entered into the gate, we must also be able to confirm that we are persevering in following Christ on the path of the Christian life. You know, the thief on the, on the cross, he had a very short path, didn't he? From the gate to glory, it wasn't very long. For many of us, it's, it's much longer. But it is a life that from the gate to our death, we grow closer to Christ. We fall down, sure. We may at times even double back a good piece. But those who truly enter in by the narrow gate will persevere through the difficulty of following Christ. They will get up after they fall. They will, after they double back, return to where they need to be. It's not always a straight line. The path of the the difficult Christian life, it's not always a straight line. But it always is bringing us closer to Christ. Jesus told us in John 16, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. I mean, Jesus told us from the very beginning, you're going to have tribulations if you follow me, because I had tribulations. I had the cross. You think, you think if our Lord and Savior had the cross that we're not going to endure Our share of hardships, absolutely we will. But we can take heart. Because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And lastly, we see that the Christian life leads to the destination of eternal life. Now, up up, up into a point, the appeal goes to the wide path, right? The, the, the broad gate. I mean, it's, 
It's a gate, it's easy to see, it's there, it's easy to walk through. It's the interstate, right? I mean, it's just you can cruise along. You don't have to really do anything you don't want to do. Everyone's there. That's where everybody is. That's where the party's at, right? And it all looks great up until the destination. And it tells us that the destination is destruction. The other path, it doesn't have any appeal, right? It's a narrow gate. It's hard to get through. It costs us something to follow Christ. On the other side, it doesn't get any easier. The path is riddled with rocks and and it's steep and it's narrow and it's many times very lonely. It's not all the time where the party's at. But it says it leads to life. And that, of course, is eternal life. What Jesus is calling us to here is to compare the temporary journey with the final eternal destination. So much of the Christian life comes down to being able to look past the temporal and to see the eternal With the way of the world, the choice is initially easy. The difficulty comes at the end, which is hell. With following Christ, the choice is initially hard. It costs you your life to follow Christ. But the ease comes later as you will be with Christ in paradise for the rest of eternity. Paul puts it like this in Romans 8.18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And Paul was a man who knew suffering. Beating after beating. And he said, None of that temporary suffering compares to the eternal glory that we got coming for us. We take, first we take up our cross. And then we follow Him. And then comes the glory. We're told in Hebrews 12 too uh, that we are to look to Jesus who did this very thing. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. First the cross, and then the joy. First the suffering, and then the glory. Now, that's not to say, I mean, Mark 10.30 is pretty clear that we also receive lots of blessing in this life before we die. It's clear. It's not just all the reward coming later, but, but we receive reward day after day of following Christ. But... I mean, the big prize is eternity. When all the suffering and and all the striving is stripped away, and we are there in perfect paradise with Christ. 
I'm going to ask our musicians to come. Have you found that amazing narrow gate? And have you entered into it? As you, I mean, Jesus, that's what Jesus commands you to do, to, to strive after, to find, and to enter into the narrow gate of salvation, of, of the Christian life, of, of what He's called you to do. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you it's easy. It's not easy. He's, he's very clear about that. Jesus is clear that time and time again. It, it costs to follow Him, but the, the benefits of eternal life far outweigh any suffering that we endure. Christian, are you here and maybe you just you haven't been engaged like you should. Maybe you've been falling down on that hard, difficult Christian life and maybe you've even doubled back some. Christ is calling you to live according to the Sermon on the Mount, to be selfless, to engage and figure out where your heart is and to to live the Christian life that He's called you to live. I'm going to ask you to please stand and respond. Uh, I'll be right down here. I'd love to talk to anyone or pray with anyone that, that might need it. But Christ is calling. If you're here and there's no doubt people in this room that have never entered into the narrow gate through faith in Jesus Christ, He's calling you to do that. And I would encourage you to respond. before it's too late. Let's pray. Dearly Father, God, God, I pray for the people here who've never truly entered into the narrow gate. Just maybe they haven't been willing to let go of some things. God, I pray that you would move in their heart and let them see that there is greatness. There is a destination of eternal life beyond those gates. God, help them. Call them. Make yourself so beautiful to them that they cannot resist your greatness. And God, I pray for those of us Christians who are engaged. Help us just realize the Christian life is hard and we've been called to hard things and, and there is no time to rest. There is no time to double back on this path, but we must move forward in living this difficult life that you've called us to do. God, help us to, to, to see the joy that's set before us that we might endure the hard path. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.